welcome along to another episode of How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell, and joining me this week is Aaron Stone. Aaron, how's it going today? It is going fantastic. Uh, you know, we're just a few days here away from winter break, so looking forward to that. And what better way to kick it off than being one of your guests on your show? Well, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, you were telling me you were a photographer for a very local promotion in Worcester, Ohio, about 15 years ago? Yes, that, that is correct. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of how I got into that. It's kind of a unique story. So I was a, a DJ for the college radio station, um, and one of the wrestlers slash, I guess he was, yeah, he was a wrestler, but he also worked kind of as a promoter, apparently was harassing the radio station and wanted us to plug his wrestling federation. Uh, once I found out that he was doing that, I got his information and told him to call into my show, and we had a whole discussion about it, um, and that's how I sort of became their photographer. Um, the radio station, on the other hand, was not happy with me at that time for various reasons, and that was actually the final straw was that I took his call, and they actually fired me um, from the radio station. And so I went from radio DJ to professional wrestling photographer pretty much the next week. And you've been, I mean, you also told me you uh, did YouTube videos sort of reviewing WWE shows, TNA shows, Ring of Honor, that kind of thing. And at one point you had about 700, 800 subscribers. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I was under the username Stone08. Um, I started doing the videos around 2008. Um, I did them for a number of years. It got to the point where I started being recognized not only at various like wrestling events, like especially like the Ring of Honor events, people would come up to me and talk to me, but even some of my students who were in high school at the point, like, would find my videos because I would have reviewed a WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble, and they would sort of comment a little bit about that. Um, but, yeah, it was sort of, um, it was actually one of the ways I sort of got really back into wrestling um, was sort of finding this whole social media network of it really was kind of fascinating to me and kind of got me back into it around that time as well. Well, on this uh, podcast, I ask every guest the same set of questions. And, and the first question is, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? Oh, my God. Yeah, so when I looked at that question, I, I had to think back literally to maybe when I was like in fourth or third grade at the time. Um, I believe it was probably around... It was probably around, like, WrestleMania 11, because that's when, like, the Lawrence Taylor, like, Bam Bam Bigelow match was happening. Mm. And I noticed that that, was get, that got, like, a lot of press here um, in the United States. Um, and since I was a lot, I mean, he's, Lawrence Taylor was a Giants guy, and I was a, a, a Washington Redskins fan. So that sort of made some headway and was sort of my first introduction, I would say, to wrestling. And then uh, from then on, like, it's kind of funny because... I didn't have cable at the point, so the only wrestling shows I was able to see was, like, WWF Superstars, which would air, like, Sunday at, like, 10 or 11 a.m., and, you know, they would feature just kind of random squash matches, but that there and between the sort of mainstream press 
um, that you know wrestling was getting for that time sort of got me hooked um, initially. And then I actually met uh, my best friend. I was I was I moved from um, basically a town or two over. I was at a new school, and I was sitting next to this guy in the fourth grade class. And I randomly asked him. I, I have no idea why I asked him this. But I asked him if he was able to catch SummerSlam 1995, and he just looked at me and was like, wait, you're a wrestling fan? Because at that time, you know, it was like 1995, wrestling wasn't really, like, cool. No, that was not the uh, best. That was not the best year for, uh, especially not for WF. It was 95. Yeah. That, was, uh, that was right when they were doing, like, um, Isaac Yankum and, and uh, every every sort of um, wrestler had to have a profession, didn't they? There, there was Duke... Duke the Dumpster, Drosy, and people like that. Yeah, it was not uh, not a great time. You know, but as a 10-year-old kid, I thought this was like the cream of the crop. You know, <laughs> like, this was awesome. Like, you had you had Mantar, you had Aldo Montoya, you, like, you had all these, you know, characters. Um, and I think that is sort of what kind of attracted to me to this whole thing, was like, these zany sort of characters and... It was sort of less about, like, the wrestling and more about kind of the characters and who these people kind of were. You know, as a 10-year-old, really fascinated me. I, I'm not even sure. I think it took me, you know, probably uh, quite a few months or several months to kind of catch on that this was all scripted and kind of just a form of entertainment. But you don't really, like, know that as, as a 10-year-old. It's after you watch it a number of times and you're like, wait a second. Like this Goldust character, no, this this is this is too far. I'm just like, there's no one like this. This is scripted, or you know. So uh, I guess I guess you could say by the time I was like ten or eleven, I was quote unquote smart enough to the business. And who were the wrestlers that really sort of grabbed your attention, captured your imagination as a kid? Okay, so one that sticks out in my mind is Shawn Michaels. Um, so I think. At that time, especially kind of in, in that elementary school or upper elementary school, you know, early middle school period, you know, you're going through a lot of awkward times and uh, you want to be popular, you want to be well-liked, you want to have girls like you. And Shawn Michaels was sort of a person that embodied all that, you know, being the heartbreak kid. Um, not only that, he was the top guy, you know, around that time too. Um, so I would say he definitely was a big part of the reason of why I was really into watching um, uh, the WWF specifically at that time. Was it just him or was there anybody else that you know you were a big fan of at the time? Yeah, so I liked him. Um, I liked sort of the bigger guys too. Like I liked really watching Diesel and like Yokozuna mm -hmm. and of course like The Undertaker and like I was kind of even into Mabel for a time period, which is a little embarrassing to mention, but I think I kind of like dudes who just didn't fit your typical, like, wrestler norm, if you will. You know, guys who were maybe bigger, but also I like people who were smaller, like the one, two, three kid, or Owen Hart, you know, so it kind of ranged the gambit a little bit. Um, you know, and uh, I would say that kind of all of that with the over-the-top characters, I mean, hell, I liked listening to Jerry Lawler, like, on commentating back then. Like, I just thought that guy was really funny. Like, I, I know I was supposed to hate him because he's, like, the quote-unquote bad guy, but I was just like, this guy is hilarious. Like, I want to know more about this guy when he's on commentating and he was roasting Vince McMahon, you know? 
Um, so I would kind of say all of that kind of production with it, uh, really, I would say was a, a solid foundation kind of for, you know, my, uh, I guess my, my wrestling upbringing. And what was the, the first live event you attended? Okay. So the first live event, so I was a fan in like 1995, I would say officially. It wasn't until about three years from then when I attended my first event. Which was Starcade 1998. Ooh. Um, and yeah. Well, the streak ended. Yes, yeah, I, I was there for the streak ended. So I went actually with my friend Mac, um, who was the fourth grader who I randomly asked that summer slam question to, and we're still best friends to this day. Um, and um, yeah, so the, the thing that I remember about this event the most is so we had two tickets, and it was just me. And it was my and my friend Max. And it was sort of like a holiday gift um, at that time because it was Jerry because it was in December. Um, and it was like packed, like it was at the NCI Center. It was a big deal. All of a sudden, it's like kind of like closing. It's kind of around the main event time, and somehow my dad was able to sneak in to the NCI Center, find where we were sitting, and there happened to be one seat next to us, and just watch the main event for free. I still don't know how he got in. I mean, this was, you know, I guess 1998, so I don't know if, like, security was all what it is nowadays, but I kind of just, you know, that's one of the things I look back on, and I say, how in the world did you do that? Managed to find us, and this is the age where we don't have cell phones or anything, so um, it, that, that's one of the things that I kind of remember the most about. So when did you sort of get into WCW? Obviously, WF first of all in '95. When when roughly was it? Uh, was it sort of during the height of the Monday Night Wars that you started to follow Nitro as well? Yeah, I think it was probably around the time of like '96, '97, and that's sort of I would say when wrestling sort of became more like popular and respected, especially amongst our peers, and we're like you know trading cards and you know kind of knowing a lot of wrestling knowledge was kind of cool. Um, and I would say most of the time, people, you know, were, were more tuning into WCW at that time, which I had never really tuned into um, before. There was a show, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called, it was the Saturday morning show, because Superstars was usually on Sunday, and I didn't have cable at this point, so I kind of would just watch the, the highlight show of what the Nitros were, and kind of what was sort of going on, and that's how I would kind of follow it. And, of course, I'd get, like, the magazines and stuff. So I think around, like, the 96, you know, 97 is kind of when I started to switch over to WCW. And I was pretty much a pretty consistent follower of them, probably up until, like, early 1999, which is then when I switched back to WWF. So I missed a lot of, like, the early, early, like, Attitude Era stuff and sort of rewatched those kind of on VHS tapes you know, like a year or two after the fact, just so I kind of got a little bit more caught up on who some of these people were. I mean, I knew of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but I knew of him more as, like, the ringmaster or as the guy who won, like, the, you know, 1996, like, King of the Ring. But I didn't know, like, he had shot into superstardom until, like, kind of later um, and said, okay, I got to check this out. And, you know, once I got back into WWF, I kind of just stuck with it um, for, for quite a few years. Was there any point where you stopped watching wrestling altogether? Just didn't watch any wrestling at all? 
Yeah, there definitely have been points. Um, I'm trying to think, like, specifically. I think there were definitely times, like, in college, which is sort of kind of funny because that's when I started almost kind of getting back into it. But around, like, 2002 to maybe 2004, 2005-ish, I think I had a good, like, two to three years where I just didn't, like, really watch it. I think some of the reason, like, behind that is, A, like, you know, I'm in college, and, like, I want to kind of have my fun, too, and there wasn't really, like, a big, like, wrestling thing kind of in college, so I kind of just got out of the habit of uh, watching it. I also kind of felt that the product had, like, changed, like, so much to what it was like when I first kind of watched it, and I just felt that, like, in terms of the, I guess, I guess maybe in terms of the storylines or something, I think I remember that that was around the time they did, like, the invasion angle, and I remember even as a kid thinking, like, man, this was kind of, like, weak. Like, you know, you had this opportunity, and it just kind of felt like they sort of um, crashed and burned with the whole invasion angle, and I think that kind of started to turn me off a little bit, and then I just, I don't know, I got a little older, and I got a little bit more, like, critical of what I was watching and, you know, wasn't just saying, oh, look, it's a wrestling plumber, like, this is cool. You know, I became a little bit more, I guess, critical just as I was maturing and aging. I just kind of said, well, this is a little kind of silly and I'm just going to take a break from this. And then kind of once I started doing the um, the freak show wrestling, like, photography and stuff, that's sort of when I started getting back into wrestling. I started kind of, a lot of the wrestlers were sort of talking about ROH and, like, I'd be like, what is ROH? And they talked a little bit about it with me. Um, kind of heard the name like Austin Aries and Brian Danielson kind of get thrown around. I'm just like, what is this? And I had like no idea that there was this whole other kind of independent wrestling because all I'd been kind of focusing on was mainstream stuff, whether it was WWF or uh, uh, WCW at the time. And what are your sort of viewing habits now? What do you typically watch from week to week? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question too. Um, so I kind of got a I got a two year old kid. Um, so you know, a lot of the wrestling that I would kind of used to watch, um, I, I don't really as much anymore because um, I am a father. So that always kind of comes first. But I would say pretty consistently, I watch AEW uh, Dynamite um, as opposed as when it comes to like other shows. I'll kind of watch like the bigger WWE pay-per-views, whether it's like WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble. Um, I'll watch some New Japan. Like I said, kind of more when it's like the bigger shows, though, the Wrestle Kingdom, uh, like the New Japan Cup tournament, um, kind of more of their bigger shows I'll kind of watch. And then I also read up a lot of kind of like what's going on, whether it's from different various websites or, you know, uh, videos on YouTube that kind of recap what sort of happened, just sort of like kind of them a little bit in the know, sort of what's happening, and if something does kind of uh, pique my interest, I might go and check it out on YouTube or watch a video about it, um, but pretty much like my my viewing when it comes to wrestling is, I would say, AEW. I sometimes will frequent the Jim Cornette podcast. I know it's not the most, he's not the most well-liked or popular guy, uh, in the wrestling uh, industry, but I was also kind of always enamored with him as a kid with the whole Camp Cornette thing, and I kind of think he makes a lot of solid points uh, when it comes to modern wrestling. Oftentimes, you know, I don't necessarily agree with every single one of his takes, but uh, I do kind of understand a little bit of where he's kind of coming from. So that's sort of a little bit of um, kind of my 
I guess, wrestling daily digest, if you will. So, who on AEW are you a really big fan of? God. Um, Everyone? <laughs> you know, no, definitely not everyone. Oh, gosh, no. How um, about, let me, just, I, let me ask you about, say, say for instance, Orange Cassidy. How, how do you feel about I know he's kind of like a sort of polarizing wrestler in a way. There's, there's people that yeah. love him. There's people that just don't get it at all. Uh, you know, what side of things are you on with him? I mean, what, oh. what do you make of Orange Cassidy? So, so I knew Orange Cass- Cassidy because I used to watch Akara. So I knew ah, okay. Fire Act, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of around the time when I started getting back into wrestling. I would follow like um, that, like PWG, Shakara. I watched some of like the IWA stuff too. So I was pretty like well-versed in, in, in my indies, probably from around maybe 2006, 2007 until about 2010, 2011-ish. Uh, and that's, and I was still watching like other TNA and kind of like the bigger companies too. But so I knew of him as Fireman. I only recently, maybe in the past year, kind of knew that oh, this Orange Cassidy guy is the same person as Fireman. So I knew the guy had talent and could kind of and could work, in my opinion, um, in his own style. What I so I, I'm mixed on him. So what I kind of like about him um, is first of all he's dedicated to his character. Um, and I think that is sometimes lost in a lot of modern pro wrestling, where I know K-Fabe isn't exactly alive, but he kind of plays his role, and he plays his character. And I think for that, he does really well, um, and he does convincingly. And it does get over. So whether or not you think whatever you want to think of him, like, it gets over with that audience. Now, would it get over with a bigger audience? That's, like, I think a debatable point. Like, would that character get over... In WWE, I might say it might, but it kind of depends on how it's used. I think where my issue kind of comes in a little bit with him, David, is I think it's how he's booked. And I don't think just because you are like a over wrestler doesn't necessarily mean you need to be like top of the card or like main eventing shows. Like you don't necessarily need that. Like you can be a lower to mid card guy. Um, with that gimmick and get over just fine. Um, I don't think, like, if you were telling me that a year from now he would be, like, the AEW, like, champion, I think I would have some choice words for that, um, honestly. And it's not because of his lack of talent. I think that gimmick right there kind of has a shelf life in terms of where you can kind of put that on the card. And I think sometimes he gets a little overpushed. And then when they do try to, I would say, push him, they don't book him very well. Like, they'll have him compete for, like, the TNT title multiple times, and he loses multiple times. And then it's kind of like, well, let's, you know, we put him with Jericho, and we see if he gets over with Jericho. And I would argue that, like, he didn't really get that, quote-unquote, over with Jericho. Um, Personally, I think it more brought Jericho down rather than, like, elevated Orange Cassidy up, because... Like I said, he just started kind of competing for TNT titles and just didn't win those and honestly didn't have that many memorable matches, um, in, in my opinion. Um, so I guess that's sort of where I'm at. I'm sort of a mixed bag. I know uh, my good pal Jim Cornette uh, is not the biggest fan of him, but like I said, I kind of am more middle of the road with him. Yeah, I, I see that, definitely. I think, um, obviously, with Kenny as the champion... You're looking at that babyface side in AEW, and obviously Moxley, you would consider the top babyface probably, but 
When you're looking at other baby faces, I mean, Orange Cast is one of the top baby faces on, on in AEW, but I just can't imagine him versus Kenny Omega as a title match. It just doesn't. I agree with you. I just don't see it working as a as a top match. But you know, the guy who I do see it working with, who is someone. I mean, you asked me to name some of my favorites. It's Adam Cole or no, 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 Adam Page. Page. Yeah. Yeah, I would see him working. Now, now the booking of him has also been really questionable. I think he was super red-hot kind of baby-faced guy before the pandemic, and then I feel like afterwards his character just seemed really directionless. Um, he seemed kind of really sort of a bitter sort of kind of character where I, I don't know what his... I mean, he, he does have a lot of charisma. He has a lot of that it factor that a lot of people... I think, kind of throw around in wrestling. And he clearly does have that. But once again, I feel like, you know, when he was kind of booked with the whole FTR angle and leaving the elite, like, it just sort of seemed like, well, is he the face? Is he the heel? How are we really supposed to feel about him? And I know, you know, AEW says, well, we have to throw in some shades of gray. But you also have to throw in some, like, directive storytelling. And oftentimes, I feel like they sometimes drop the ball with actual storytelling. Like they did, I think, with Adam, uh, with, with his character, honestly. Um, I think he can still be recovered, you know, and I don't think all is lost. But I, I don't think his character is as hot or as over as it was pre-pandemic. No, and now they're doing some sort of thing with um, the Dark Order, you know, where they did the Battle Royal and, and uh, he got thrown out and they... And the Dark Order caught him and threw him back in. It's like, I, I don't know where they're going with it. But I, you know, I, I do agree with you. I, when I look at people that Moxley, uh, not Moxley, sorry, guys that Omega could uh, face for that title, Adam Page is like the first guy that really springs to mind because they have been tag partners. It seems a natural feud to do. Uh, and I do think Adam Page has huge potential. I mean, one of my favourite matches this year, that if you saw it, was the match that he had with uh, Kazarian on Dynamite. Yes, yes, I did see that one. And and that match, honestly, stuck out like a sore thumb because it was like, wait, this is like a well-put-together, like, wrestling match with, like, psychology and, like, it doesn't go 100 miles per hour. You know, it's not one of these flippy kind of matches um, that often AEW overuses. Like, this had a very kind of sort of a classic sort of throwback yeah. kind of feel. It really stood out. And I said, why can't they just do more of this stuff? Like, where both wrestlers get over, they both get over on their ability to wrestle and not just do a zillion dives in a 30-second, you know, time span. Like, let's have them actually, like, build stories in the ring, you know, get over kind of on, on that way rather than just doing high spots. So that was a complete breath of fresh air that match I always do some uh, rapid fire questions and the first question is favourite wrestler of all time oh man that's a great question um, but you know what I'm still going to have to go with Shawn Michaels I think on that one and I got some bias in that one just because of sort of the impact he had on me as a child I also was able to meet him um, a number of years ago and he was a really and I was kind of weary of, of meeting him but he was like a super humble, like kind of chill guy. I, I had a good, good, solid interaction with him when I met him too. So I would say he's top of my list. 
Yeah, probably a completely different experience meeting Shawn Michaels in the 90s compared to now because everyone says he's, he's such a completely different person. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, fighting Jesus could do that to some people, and if that, that helps him, apparently, you know, God bless is all I can say, because uh, he definitely, you know, I have definitely met a lot of wrestlers that were not as pleasant to me, um, and he definitely was on the more pleasant side, for sure. That's incredible when you think about how great he was in the 90s, but then when he came back and had that run from like 2002 when he had the first match back with with Triple H, a street fight, through to when he retired in 2011, he, that he was even better than he was before. It, it, it's it's crazy, but yeah, he's one of the absolute best ever, isn't he? I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, and I, I definitely was uh, glad to see him. Uh, I saw him live at WrestleMania 25 for his match with Undertaker. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is probably, like, my favorite match I've ever seen, like, live, hands down, for sure. Well, the next question is, favorite match of all time? I'm going to have to go with the WrestleMania 25 match, honestly. I know that um, sometimes some critics will say it's a little overrated or would prefer the, uh, you know, the Hell in the Cell match. Um, at the Bad Blood, I believe. Um, yeah. But there's just something really special about those two, whether it's their in-ring chemistry, kind of long-term st- storytelling between two of these iconic characters. Um, you know, I-, I think people thought, you know, going into the match, like it was going to be something, but I think it really is one of those matches that surpassed people's expectations on how good it was and really kind of kicked off the series of those classic Undertaker WrestleMania matches, you know, with him and Michaels and him and Triple H and uh, kind of that whole saga um, is, is really something that was pretty fantastic and that sort of was a kickstart of it. So uh, I'd have to go with that match. I think my favourite is probably the Bad Blood Hell in the Cell match, but one thing that people forget with Taker and Sean was um, that Royal Rumble. Uh, I think it was 2000. Uh, what year would it have been? It would have been 2007, I think, where they were the final two, and it was like them for like 10 minutes. I want to say at the end of that Royal Rumble. I don't know if you ever saw that? I did see that one. Yes, I think that was sort of. I was I was watching it around that time. Yes, where I they think were. it was in San Antonio. So I think a lot of people were expecting Sean to win in his home his hometown kind of thing, but uh, Taker won that Rumble and, and went on to face. I think it Batista, must have been Batista. Right? Yeah. Was, Batista, yeah. Yeah, well, no, wait. Was it Batista or was it Edge? I can't, it was one of the two. I think it was Batista uh, because... Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be 2007. Got it, right. And he faced Edge in 2000, 2008? Then, yeah, that would be WrestleMania 24. That's when Sean retired Flair. And Sean faced John Cena at the WrestleMania 23 in 2007. Or 2007. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So um, the next question is, best show you've ever attended live? Would it be that WrestleMania? You know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to... Um, I, I wonder if this counts um, as an answer. Um, because you were the host, you can beat me if this doesn't. I thought long and hard about it. Although WrestleMania 25 was kind of a, a great... It was my first WrestleMania I attended. And, you know, I definitely will have that memory kind of etched in my mind. I also went with my best friend, Max, and it was both of our first WrestleMania. I would say I think my highest point uh, out of the wrestling kind of environment was the King of Trios tournament back around 2011. Those three days of wrestling were phenomenal. Um, And 
kind of very, very magical. Um, that was the one where they had the one, two, three kid and Haikushi actually wrestled in a in a King of Trios match. Um, and they tore the house down. They also had a one, two, three kid versus El Generico match, which was an incredible match. Um, I don't know if there's a way of seeing it, but if you have not seen that match, um, it was, I believe, on night three. Um, that was one of my favorite matches I've seen live, and it tore the entire house down. Um, I think there's definitely something special about going to a Shikara show back then, too, where it's just really a lot of, I would say, a lot more, not necessarily, I know they use the term family-friendly oriented, but it's definitely probably the most pleasant experience I would have as, as a wrestling fan. Um, I think a lot of times when you go to wrestling events, sometimes people wear their kind of smartish, you know, ways, at, especially a lot of indie wrestling. I did not get that vibe from the Shikara fans. Um, and so between that and sort of all the opportunities that you could have to sort of interact with the wrestlers um, at the time, too, they were always very, like, available, like, either during intermission or after the show to kind of get photos with and autographs. And just that whole three-day weekend in Philly was, was really something special. Well, that, def that definitely counts. That definitely counts. Okay. I know you said, <laughs> you said one show, and I said, well, I went to these three, so if we can put them all together well, in one, I, I would go with that. Of the, of the three, okay, of the, of the three days, Ed, do you have a favorite? It's really hard because, you know, the, it was my first King of Trio live, I would say. So, like, night one was really cool because you got to see all these kind of trio matches. And I think that's kind of like, like was the unique experience. And I did meet um, Sean Walkman then, um, and he was like a super nice guy. But on night three, I remember standing in the autograph line because my friend Max wanted an autograph um, of him. And I said, okay, let me go and get it. And I was short money. And he told me I could just keep the money, and he gave me that autograph for free um, made out, which I had never seen any wrestler do before. Um, and I've been to a lot of, like, wrestling sort of conventions and that kind of stuff. I never had seen a wrestler just be like, no, it's cool, like, you know, I'll just find you this. So I think that moment, um, and, of course, seeing the, the El Generico uh, one, two, three kid match was that night, that same day, too. So I, I probably will have to lean on night three. And uh, the Colony One, which was our good buddy Orange Cassidy there. They won uh, the King of Trios that year. And the final question I ask everyone, which um, a lot of people find a difficult one to answer, is if you could change one thing about the business, just one thing, what would it be? Does, it, does this question relate to the business specifically, or can it relate to the wrestling community? Or I, I was trying to think about this. I didn't know which way, how you wanted me to kind of answer it or direct it. Um, well, we answer it any way you, you want to, I suppose, yeah. Any, any, anything you could change about wrestling in general? Um, I feel like, okay, so I feel like there's, like, too much of it, honestly. You know, it's kind of, like, oversaturated. I feel like there's a wrestling show every single dang day, you know, whether it's with whatever company. And when wrestling was only on, like, once a week, I felt like it was a lot more special. And now that they some of these wrestling companies have, like, three or four sh weekly shows, and it kind of, you know, um, deteriorates, I think, the the importance of a lot of these shows. And it's draining to keep up with all this stuff, too. I remember when I was 
you know, back in my YouTube days, having to watch all these different Raws and SmackDowns and Impact, and, you know, most of the time, like, I kind of thought a lot of those shows were kind of mediocre at best, and I was doing it because, like, I wanted to grow my following and my, and my base at the time, so I felt like I had an obligation to, you know, make content I needed to be knowledgeable about. So, you know, I think, you know, with the sort of the era that we're in, I sort of feel like the wrestling has become oversaturated and there's so much of it. Um, so they can cut down, I know, you know, it's a profit-making industry too, and if it, it sells, it sells, but I think as a fan, I just get so drained from it. So I would say, you know, that would be one of my critiques is that there's just like too much wrestling, um, which, you know, if you... I definitely see that with um, WWE. I think um, I tend to watch every pay per view. I, you know, I've got the network, and I will watch the pay per views. I will not watch, you know, Raw and SmackDown every week because I just find it just listening to what happened or, or reading what happened on the show. I find it just so confusing. None of it makes any sense. It just. I'm like, you know, the work rate is always going to be great because, as you say, the workers they've got there now are amazing. But it's the booking, it's the storytelling that is just so lacking. And, and AEW, I, I enjoy Dynamite every week. But as you were saying earlier, even with, even with AEW, there's storylines that just, you know, that just don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. One storyline that I had trouble with was the FTR Young Bucks storyline i love the match they had at the pay-per-view but the storyline going into it i was like why are the young bucks playing heels that they're, they're, they're fear of ftr who are definitely heels so why are they being like complete jerks why are they super kicking everyone i, I didn't make any sense to me i mean how do you feel no. about that feud oh my gosh so I was kind of like, am I supposed to root for FTR because, like, the Young Bucks are super kicking, like, a bunch of random people and kind of just been acting like pricks? And, I mean, 
you know, so there was that. I think the thing that was really weird, I don't remember if you saw this on Dynamite, where they did the a- injury angle to Matt Jackson's, I guess, his ankle. Yeah. I'm like, I'm supposed to feel sympathy for him? Like, this guy has been a jerk for the past, like, two months. <laughs> like, this is not, this, like, I actually, like, popped for that at home. was like, yes, FTR. Like, and reversed it. Like, I was like, FTR are the faces here, right? Because, like, the young ones have totally been set up as heels, and now they, it seems like they've reverted back to faith for some reason, even though, like, I still kind of view them as heels. So they don't have their heel and faith dynamic at all, like, straightened out, or if they think they're a heel, but they're really acting like a faith here. It, it doesn't make sense. And, yes, to your point, the match was excellent. I don't feel like there's been that many people criticizing the work rate or, or the match itself. But the booking of the match, I think, was completely disastrous, if you ask me. When you have those two teams, you have a classic face versus a classic heel team right there in the making. You don't need to do these fan- make it fancy like that. I have no idea why they did that. No, absolutely. Um, we could talk a lot more, I feel. <laughs> but uh, obviously, with the podcast I'm doing right now is, is just, just those questions. Uh, I'm, I've got loads more of these to do and then once I've done quite a few of these I'll probably start doing another podcast I'm not quite sure what that will be yet I haven't decided but whatever it is I'd love to have you back on uh, again Aaron because I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation yeah, I, mean, I, I enjoyed it as well you know I think uh, you know great minds think alike here so uh, I think I think we got something in the making here David we've got a great community yeah, with the, with the fight game facebook group um, you know a lot of wrestling communities uh you know um you know, message boards gr- groups whatever it, they, they just get so tiresome after a while because you know there's, there's people in there that you know just can't accept other people's opinions but i find with the fight game facebook group everybody we don't always see eye to eye on every single issue but it doesn't matter because you know no one's gonna belittle you uh, for your opinion you know everybody is entitled to their opinion obviously and and um, i think everyone gets on really well and it's it's a great it's a great group isn't it everybody is just great in there it really is i i did not expect to be that into checking out that specific facebook group i thought okay i'm gonna do the new japan bracket see like what the heck happens with that if i win and then like i'll just be on my merry way but you know i'd read a lot of the post and it's very active and very engaging, um, for sure. I, I think the only time I maybe had a negative interaction was with one member who I guess was claiming that Trump wasn't a fascist or whatever. So once uh, it gets a yeah, little political, yeah. you know, I would say, um, you know, that, that maybe was a little bit. But uh, otherwise, when, it, when it's been wrestling, pretty much, and we haven't delved into other topics, I would say it's been rather civil, um, which is definitely... Um, unique to say the least uh, for our wrestling community absolutely Aaron thank you very much indeed for joining me and uh, I'm no doubt talk to you again in the future alright alright take care David okay cheers bye bye alright bye